challenging the system by doing exactly what everyone else does this week. Welcome to Hand of Pod. tradition in Argentina. Uh, there's, there's a law, first of all, which leads to this tradition, which is that the night before election day, uh, no shops or bars are allowed to sell any booze after about, is it eight o'clock at night? Or it's eight o'clock. Um, because apparently Argentines can't be trusted to go to the polls sober the next day. Nice. Um, um, I heard today why, what the reason is. Go on. Because their thinking is that, especially in, in previous times, in you know, more, more wild times, let's say, more savage times. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's election times, and we all know that uh, Argentina has a very kind of adversarial, adversarial kind of politics. I think that's the word, anyway. And so the idea was, if you let people go out the night before an election, they get pissed up in their groups. Like you know, radicals go out of radicals, peronists will go out with peronists. They'll all get tanked up, and then they'll go out and fight each other. Oh, that's interesting, okay. That's right. That's slightly more sensible than the, the, yeah, it's not the because, reason I supposed it was for. No, it's not because they'll be hung over then. On and, the and so how long has this, this VEDA, which I really don't know the English word for, how long has it been been in place for? Well, no, VEDA's the political thing, isn't it? I think ban is fine, Joel, surely. Sorry? Like more, or... Yeah, ban. Oh, yeah, ban's yeah. Prohibition. Um, how long has it been in place for? I don't know. Uh, years and years, years and years. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, something as established as anything. At any rate, the reason for my introduction was that this th- this law has led, of course, to a tradition, Argentines being Argentines, uh, whereby all you do is buy a bit of booze earlier in the day and go around to your mate's houses and get pissed. And that's something that, to hand a pod at least, sounds very attractive. So I'm here with uh, two glasses of Fernet, because I forgot that Joel was driving and now I've got to drink his for him as well. Uh, English Dan, who you've already heard, is enjoying his. Say hello, Dan. Yes, hello. And Joel is also here, not drinking, he's, he's on mate. I'm on mate. Because an overdose of caffeine could never possibly be a bad thing when you're driving home. Um, <laughs> but there you go. We're here to... What was mate with mate? It's not caffeine, right? It's the same different. stuff. They call it something different and they tell you it's different because they're Argentine and they've got to be different, but it's caffeine. It's the same it's chemical steady. makeup. She's giving it, it, it very strong to the Argentines. Very angry, Sam, today. No, yeah. no, no the, the, the first part I'm not angry about at all. I think it's a fantastic tradition. I'm going out after this and taking that bottle of fun out with me to get smashed at a friend's house in, in keeping with Argentine tradition. I'm going to report you. That's the only reason I'm doing it. If you go and fight some, some Peronists. Some uh, Peronists. Yeah. Uh, true. I think yeah. the Peronists fight amongst themselves, don't they? They don't, they don't, yeah, need, they don't need a radical. Exactly. Um, talking about fighting amongst yourselves, there's a lot of Argentine football. <laughs> there's a lot of Argentine football to get through uh, this week. We've had two rounds since Santiago and I recorded the the torneo inicial. Also because of the election preview. If we want to, indeed, yeah. Also because of the elections, because um, basically any fun on election weekend is outlawed in Argentina. You can't have football either. Um, so we had the second round in midweek, which is why we didn't record this podcast earlier in the week. Because because of them, the same reason, because you know. If you can't drink because you're going to fight, you definitely don't want people to have football. Politicisation of football matches, maybe. <laughs> I think it's more the um, on, on a more serious note than, than the obvious joke that Dan was making. Uh, for the benefit of, of, of non-Argentine listeners. <laughs> <Fucking jump rap. laughs> 
voting is mandatory here. You have to vote if you if you have the right. You don't have the right to vote. You have the obligation to vote. And obviously, I think getting to the stadium on on voting day would be a, a bit of a bugger, especially when they make you wait around for six hours after the match or whatever, which they're not doing at the moment. We'll get on to that later. Um, we've had two rounds of matches. Lessons we can take from the first two rounds of matches so far, gentlemen. Um, I think first of all that to some extent I was possibly being slightly optimistic when during our preview podcast I tipped River as a possible championship. Oh, you're crazy. Um, yeah, absolutely crazy. Yeah. They don't have anyone up front. We've only had two matches. You're talking about they've got more than two. No. Well, they've not got Teo, have they? That's, they that's, have. that's something we're going to be getting onto. He's, he's, he's registered under FIFA, mate. You can't. You can't. Yeah, but Chris can't Russell aren't, aren't sending the transfer in because River are refusing to pay for him. This is not the first time that a club has been late in paying um, paying another club for for a transfer to go through. No, River Plate are owed loads of money as well. Bonanotte, Malaga owed them loads of money for ages. Um, I don't think there was a problem with Lamenta. There was a problem with your campus money. Point is this. This is a big scandal because everyone hates Passarella. The media hates Passarella. Um, if you listen to some people, it's because Passarella doesn't pay the media anymore, and the previous president did. So, while there's lots to criticise Passarella for, this has all been made a big scandal. And River said, maybe it's right, maybe it's not, we're not sure. But the, the Crusoe's all were very slow on, on getting the, the paperwork. Yes, to, to they, they were sending it through in dribs and drabs. As it happens, the, vice president. the central uh, institution at the heart of this issue is the AFIP, the um, Inland Revenue, and Diego Tunes is, a, is an employee at AFIP. So, I mean, he knows very clearly oh, I didn't know that. what's uh, going on. He's on leave at the moment while he's vice president at River Plate. But, um, but yeah, this is very common. This happens with loads of cases, and just because it's River and it Passarella... Happened with Jonathan Fabro as well, uh, like two days prior to happening with Teo Gutierrez, and for some reason the AFA stepped in to help. I, I say for some reason. Uh, Julio Rondano always ensures that he keeps a lot of money that, uh, that's owed by the AFA to all of Argentina's football clubs uh, in reserve, let's say, so it makes it easier to buy votes when election time comes around for AFA presidents. Um, so it's, it's not so much. So, so polemic. Well, that's what happens. You just throw that in like it's nothing. Like Is that a fact? Is that a fact? It, do you remember the, the America TV camera sting? That was one of the things he admitted to doing uh, on that a couple of years ago. Um, so that, that's that's, one, that, that's come from Grandona's own mouth. What I should say. Um, and sorry, right? You could that? do a, a, a Mariano Rajoy end of quote yeah. for that one. End of quote. We could do, couldn't we? Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to say that. End of quote. Uh, that's that. That is the case. Um, and yeah, uh, on the one hand, it's kind of ridiculous that the AFA. Helping out, well, it could be seen as helping out River, obviously, when they're not extending the same help to, to other clubs. On the other, why do it for Fabro, not for Teo? Different on, on the other, sort of things going Seriously, on this was a, a four hour uh, Twitter storm that was very quickly uh, resolved. Mm. He's inscribed in FIFA. This is Hernan Castillo, who's um, very good, very informed, well informed uh, yeah, journalist, yeah. covers River Plate, and he said um, that Teo's, Teo is. Uh, is a River Plate player, according to FIFA, and that, um, that it's all going to be sorted out on Monday. Excellent. Uh, as a River fan, I certainly hope so, because we need him. Uh, we need goal scorers. We've got Rodrigo Mora back. That's uh, one of the, the main pieces of news that's not and What about the, the fact you've got like He's 10 foreigners? Come back from yeah. Benfica. They, did, they do have an awful lot of foreigners, yeah. and this is another one of the things that I think is possibly... River's ball being a little bit silly again. Um, well, they've got rid of Sanchez. Sanchez basically, the, the, there is a restriction. Argentine clubs are allowed to register as many as four non-Argentine players for each season. And River Plate have decided, apparently, to get round this restriction by completely ignoring it and just hoping it would go away. Um, <laughs> well, no, Carlos Sanchez was going to get his 
Argentine nationality through. He was in exactly the same way that in exactly the way, same way that Spanish clubs do it. I mean, Julio Baptista, Roberto Carlos all did it. Argentine passports are incredibly easy things to get. You you have to have lived in the country for two years and be able to prove how you're making your living. That's it. Um, Any of us, any of us who are sitting around here, would be eligible for one if we wanted one. Um, So I'm a bit mystified as to why Sanchez. Sanchez hasn't, yeah, of course. Um, but Sanchez hasn't got his and has had to be sold to, is it Puebla in Mexico that he's gone to? Yes. Some Mexican Some Mexican. I think it's Puebla. Um, to, to free up space. But prior to that, River signed, they gave Balanto a professional contract, which means that he was taking up one of those spots all of a sudden. They signed Carlos Carbonero, they signed Teo Gutierrez, so they've got three Colombians. They had Adalberto Roman, who's since been sold to Libertad. They had Sanchez. There was one other one as well. And they, they brought in Mora, yeah, they were talking about signing Mora, of course, for most of the window as well. Uh, he's returned on loan from Benfica uh, six months out of 12 uh, of, what's, of good performances, yeah. apparently being enough to convince... Just out of curiosity, Mourinho. what's Fabra's situation? I'm guessing he's got a... Oh, Fabra's Argentine, yeah. As I know, he's, got an yeah, I know he was born in Argentina, but he didn't have to revoke the passport to get no. a Paraguay. No, no, he's got, he's got dual nationality. Okay. Um, so so he's, he's not taking up a spot. Um so it's, it's been all go. He's not, taking up, a, he's not taking up a place in the team at the moment either. <laughs> after it's Certainly won't be in the next match. Um, it's been all go off the pitch for River, and what they have lacked is some go on it. Their first match, they were bloody awful. Oh, they were die. Absolutely die. 1-0 defeat away to Gimnasia. The penalty that Gimnasia won the match with was perhaps slightly questionable. Um, more oh, idiocy. Sell passer. No, no, no. More idiocy than anything else. But it, was, it wasn't, the, let's say, the most clear cut of all time. Um... The equally that they beat Rosario Central just last night, Friday evening, uh, by one goal to nil with Federico Andrada's first goal for the first team. He's the all-time top scorer in Rivers youth divisions. Um, and Did Cholito play? Uh, he, he, yeah, he, he started. started, yeah, he, started. Played, he played almost the whole game. He got he subbed did. off very I late on for uh, Herman Pizzella. Well, this is the whole thing. I mean, everyone said that Tre- David Trezeguet, World Cup winning Trezeguet, um, was uh, was rubbish at River Plate, hmm. and he's got exactly the same problem. And this is this is where it's Ramon service, service. Service. exactly yeah. this is where Ramon comes in. I mean, uh, Cholito got one. We should I explain who that Cholito is. Giovanni Simeone. Sorry, I don't know if you mentioned him in one of the preseason. No, I, well, we, we did briefly, but yeah. for the benefit of new listeners, yeah, he's. he's Diego Simeone's son. Um, so if the, if the surname sounds familiar, it's, it's it really should be. If yeah. not, I don't know what you're doing listening to yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but he, um, but he had, I, I, from what I, I was there at the game, so I didn't see, you know, I haven't seen highlights or replays or whatever. But I think he just had, I'd say, one chance. Mm. Yeah. Um, a good cross from from Ferreira, who looked reasonable for very small, reasonable is uh, exactly the word small is. stretch of the, of the match. But just no ideas. Fabro looks good. Um, he wasn't. Yeah. At the hub of everything, but he looks—he's different. He's, he's a player who can control the game a little Took bit a better. Very, very good free kick to set up the goal, yeah. and then about what two minutes later had outrageous flash of idiocy. He was—he was going for the ball. In fairness, it wasn't exactly deliberate, but um, how on earth he didn't realise that uh, whoever it was—it was, it was uh, Paul Fernandez, wasn't Paul it? Fernandez, yeah. So new River player on an ex Boca player's head um, was in the way of the ball. Well, he is an know. idiot. I mean, and a red card made me doubt. Um, is so it's kind of a mix of both the two because I sent out this questionnaire as, uh, as I mentioned on the previous episode uh, asking uh, which Joel chickened out of answering incidentally since you're here on I thought that was all a joke I didn't, I didn't realise uh, we had to do that no 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 it was to try and get some other voices into the other than mine sorry, sorry. I was very busy last week so. um, asking for people's best and worst signings and as I mentioned last week I think Fabro could prove to be one of the best a couple of people said Fabro proved to be one of the worst and we had 
both of them in the space of two minutes. Um, so the jury is still out on Fabra. Osmar Ferreira is bloody awful. Yeah. Le- Leonel Vangioni, the left back. I can't, yeah, I can't yeah. understand why people got so excited about Fernando no. Gantarima. Um, he was very, very average yet. It means that, that River plays something approaching a back four regularly now with Vangioni at left back. And, and one of the things that Vangioni said during during uh, midweek press conference was basically that if, if he can learn to play with Osmar Ferreira, um, then that's going to be sort of... It, it, he didn't say exactly this, but he kind of hinted that that was going to be Osmar Ferreira's job, really, to be able to play well with Vangioni and provide him with some cover when he's going forward. And I think that's exactly the way, right way to look at it, because as yeah. a midfielder in his own right... He wasn't... I mean, no one performed well yesterday. I mean, Carbonero was terrible, and this is one of the yeah, one of the quite best players. In the first match, he was awful. This is one of the best players in best um, right midfielders in the Argentine league, yeah, really, for the last year or so, maybe two years. Mm-hmm. Maybe we go that far. So um, I was quite I was quite looking forward to seeing him. I hadn't seen him um, live for, for quite a long time, and he was really bad. Yeah. I mean, really bad. Um, not saying he's he's not going to be a good signing, but uh, it was a very poor performance. Oh, not a great start for him. And he was wearing orange boots as well, so you just can't you can't go missing. You know, you, no, have, to, you, you have, have to play. Yeah. You have to play when you've got orange exactly. boots on. Um, one of the plus points is that at least in, in pretty much both matches, really, the defence has looked relatively good. My Dan was um, very poor last night. My Dan was awful, but Balanta, in his difficult second season, as you might say. Um, <laughs> Difficult. Isn't, isn't suffering? He isn't here. suffering, and yeah, totally. It's difficult. No, the second ten matches. Um, he's not suffering too much so far. He's, he's been. No, he's, good he's, he's solid. He's a good player. Uh, he's, um, he's made a couple of mistakes in each, but nothing that was sort of drastically awful. No, uh, no. I think um, the, all the ingredients are there, and I mean, River were runners up yesterday. So yesterday, last season. So with, if they get all the players that they've signed, because they, I mean, Carbonero, Deo, uh, Fabro, they're all. They're all top quality. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, definitely in the other league, 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 league. League. when when Teo comes into the team, he's going to make a huge difference not just to the front line but also to the midfield because he's going to take a lot of pressure off the midfield. Yeah. because yeah. defenders and defensive midfielders are going to suddenly start have to worry. Right, there's not an 18 year old kid behind us anymore. Mm. There's this guy who was, however much of a nutcase he was when he was at Racing and Manus, is always guaranteed a goal every other game. Yeah, um, I do wonder about that partnership though, Fabro and Teo. <laughs> It's, it's a got very, potential, hasn't it? It's a very volatile duo. A very, very volatile duo. We'll be want? we'll be giving you much more on this, hopefully, throughout the season. Yeah, I hope yeah, it's time to that. Um, there are some other teams, however, involved in this championship that are not River Plate, and oh, yeah. I'm eager to talk about those as well. Um, the most impressive of which, as I hinted at the beginning, so far have been San Lorenzo, yes. who, after two matches, are top of the league, having scored five and conceded one. Um, they were they warmed up fairly gently with a 2-1 win over uh, Olimpo, which was definitely merited, but which did involve a, a, late, a late winner. Um, and then yesterday, they absolutely spanked Racing. Dan, I were, was, were you at that game, Dan? I wasn't at the game, no. Why were you not at the Racing game, Dan? Tell us. Because no one was at the Racing game. And why was that? That Because of the brilliant party we had for the last game of... Last season against Union, where we basically buried Independiente and had a funeral procession in the in the stands, cut the lights out at halftime. It was all great fun, but apparently the AFA thought otherwise. Uh, I got asked a question on Twitter about this yesterday, and it was was it the club or the fans? And my only response, the only response I could come up with was, well, it was kind of both, really. It was it was it was the fans, was the the fans with the club very much complicit. Yeah. So yeah, it was. Completely empty, the cylindro, and really quite, um, really quite bizarre, really quite. 
well, like the, uh, it's always a bit weird watching matches in front of empty stadium yeah. but when it's a classical as well it's the first classical of the season mm-hmm. two big five clubs yeah. coming together um, made it really really odd it was a brilliant part I don't know if you saw it when I think Joel was just about to say it when Racing came out onto the pitch mm. they did like the whole run out as if the game was actually absolutely full applauding the fans and of course because there was no fans like everything the players said could be like, picked up by the microphones it was like Sebastian Saka the, the captain the, the brilliant goalkeeper Come out and said like, right, yeah, let's wave to him, lads, because they're all watching us here and just like pissing himself with laughter, and they were like clapping in an empty stadium. That oh, was good fun, and that was about yeah, the I mean, it got for yeah, exactly. Because unfortunately, Racing took it a little bit like a training session, didn't they? It seemed I mean, like they it, were it, taking it, it, as a it, it sounded like it, and, and it looked like it because they yeah. were. I mean, I, I saw the first half hour or so, yeah. um, and but San Lorenzo were playing really good football. Mm. It was, and thanks to like a fantastic goal from Caldorucha, yeah. who's already the the top scorer, three goals in two games. Joint with uh, well, Santiago with, uh, Silva, who yeah. also got three and two. Both ah, scored, yeah. both scored twice. Right. There were five yeah. players scored twice in the first round, and that was the first time that five players have scored twice in the first round since 1998 or 1999. Wow. Um, You're a mighty um, useless knowledge, Santiago. Yeah, that, plus, of course, stats, there's, yeah. technically there's still one match left of the first round, because Newell's play Boca on Tuesday, because Newell's first two games have been postponed. We could have a record-breaking first round. We could, if it's it's what, Maxi Orruti or perhaps Nico Blandi or something. That People will talk about this for years. Does it yeah. still count Did as Do you remember that first, first match they went? So here's, the got braces. here's a question. If it's, if it's one of Boca's players who gets a brace in, in, in this match, does yeah. it still count as a first-round no, match, no. even though Boca have already played the first match? No, they've already played the first match. But it's still the first round, it's still Fetcher 1. Nah, if a tree falls this, in the woods, this is the kind of thing that they'll argue about for the four big, days. The big it's kind of thing. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that the Apple will make a final decision oh, on. Like like Twenty-one, three, um, in ninety years' time. Um, no, the big philosophical questions are all here on hand to pod. <laughs> <laughs> no, but going back to things that matter a little bit more. Um, yeah, basically, Racing were completely outplayed by San Lorenzo, and. No, you got to say like San Lorenzo. I don't. I don't think they were. They were fantastic by any means, but they were very solid. They didn't let. They didn't give Racing an inch from say the from the centre circle going forward. Well, with Ortigosa the there, they wouldn't, would they? Ortigosa, they like absolutely yeah, just a tank. As always, the back four stood up very well, and yeah, they ran out three 0 winners with yeah Cantarucci's opening goal. And then I can't remember who scored the second, but it was like a typical kind of work set piece. Oh, no, not totally. It was Seto. Seto. It was, yeah. Maro. Yeah. Don't call him Cheto. Seto. A corner to the, a corner to the near post, headed on, and then Cheto um, turned up at the, at the far post to head in. And then the third goal was a lovely, oh, cut, a lovely counter from Vishalba, who also yeah. scored a beauty in, in the same fixture last season. Uh, kind of broke through on the left, turned Fernando Ortiz, who had like a beastly cut on his head after mm. getting smacked in the head by Calderucha, turned him inside out and, and fired home. I think for wrestling fans... Because one of the points that Mariano made, Mariano was hoping to be here this evening and he couldn't <coughs> make it, uh, was that the last time he was on the pod was right after Racing had beaten San Lorenzo 4-1. Because last season... Racing played San Lorenzo twice in the league and came away with an 8-1 aggregate win. Yeah. Um, so this is... A surprising result in those terms. At least. No, it's not surprising. But, not but, surprising in terms of where no. the teams are at at the moment. No, San Lorenzo. I think they had a better pre-season than any other team. Well, exactly. Yeah. They they did all their business at the yeah. beginning of the pre-season. And as, as Santi and I said in in the first episode of, of the season, one of the sort of two or three sides who made the best signings as well. 
Um, no, I, mean, I think the best. Much, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they've got the best signings, and they gave them time to, to yeah. work in the pre-season. So mm. This is the, part of the problem with the yeah. other teams, particularly with yeah. Everyone else has done it as well. They did all their signings. Exactly. In signing the really late on. There's just no time yeah. for it to, for yeah. to come together. That in a, in a country where in a division as well where teams change th- four or five players anyway, yeah. um, every sure. single short season. So um, it makes sense that San Lorenzo are. Playing as they're getting exactly, the results. Yeah. They gave yeah. all their players a month to, to yeah. bed in. I don't think they made, made any signings for the last two weeks of the window. So. Having like two or three quality youth team players as well who are ready to, oh, yeah. to make a step up helps, of course. Showed, but I mean, Brassi have got that as well. So. Yeah, but they didn't turn up on. No. Did Batalia play? He came on for the last 15 minutes or so. Viola as well came on. Uh-huh. Yeah, the best. Ras, yeah, Rassi's best chance. This is Rodrigo Bataglia, who um, very, very long-term listeners might, yeah, right. might have heard us mention in the first couple of episodes. He used to play for Huracan. Uh, he was part of the Huracan team that got relegated just before we started recording Hunter Pod. I think it was, wasn't it, in 2010 they got relegated? Yeah. yeah. Um, and we were all very surprised when he has, had continued to play for Huracan the following season. Basically, we were all expecting to get so. immediately signed up by one of the big uh, Primera sites, if not go abroad. Um, and he's only just moved to one. He's, he's moved to Rasa this season. It's been a problem, hasn't it? He was a contract rebel, and, and as you yeah. said, he hasn't played for for months. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anybody else who really impressed you during these first two weeks? Because as I say, San Lorenzo are the only club. Obviously, Newells haven't played at all yet in the Torneo Inicial. But San Lorenzo are the only side of the ones who played to win their first two matches. Um, everyone else, the, the best anyone else has got is a win and a draw, which Rafaela Estudiantes and Vélez have both got. Estudiantes, we need to talk about if only to get some interest from. Uh, some listeners who might not normally do it so that I can put them in the, the headline is Duvan Zapata who could be on his way to Queen's Park Rangers he could be on his way to Sassuolo he could be on his way to Nantes who also made a Sassuolo who are making their uh, Serie A debut in Italy playing there for the first ever time having come up from Serie uh, last season or the season before last was the first ever season in Serie B I think um, and they've made an offer Queen's Park Rangers are said to be very close to agreeing a contract with him but Estudiantes yesterday or the day before accepted a bid of like 4 million euros from Nantes for him as well it's in France who uh, the club that Osvaldo Vizcarrondo has moved to um, yeah yeah um, once Zapata goes you'd have to say that unless goalkeepers start throwing in long shots like Nicolas Cambiasso threw in uh, Gaston Quino Romero's shot the other day uh, in Estudiantes All Boys Estudiantes are really going to struggle for goals apart from their on set pieces I was going to ask because I haven't seen much of Estudiantes so far has has Ron been there in his first time Ron's been superb the the team have been Estudiantes let's say heavily reliant on Ron being superb (laughs) they've just let him do everything um, I've, I've only had half an eye on both their matches but every time I've looked up at the screen it's been that same you know one of the, the common complaints I guess that you have when, when players about the enganche system I know Laurent's not an enganche but it's that everything tends to go through the enganche when the enganche has a bad game the team don't function mm-hmm. with Veron there's that same kind of risk although he plays deeper in the midfield but Studiante seems to rely on him so much that while yeah he's going to give the whole club a boost he's going to help the young players who are coming through super supremely um, you do kind of wonder well if he has a couple of iffy matches what's going to happen um, also, is, is he get, I, I don't know what state he's in I mean, yeah, the reason he, he retired in the first place was his ankle injury was yeah. causing so much problems he, so I'm not looks, sure if he'll play yeah. a full season really. he looks fine going to be hard. Right. in terms of his form it's, it's like when Paul Scholes came out of retirement for yeah. United and instantly became the best midfielder again 
Um, in, in a way, you credit it to the fact that they haven't really got a midfield at the moment, as, as you did with Skulls at United. Um, but in another way, he, he looks, physically he's dealt with, with it all. I think he played 90 minutes the other day, actually. I'll just double-check that. Uh, wait for it to load. Just, just while waiting for it to load. Sorry, no, quick, he played, he played quick an hour on, on the Man United thing. Everyone's saying, oh, Argentine club's so disorganised, haven't signed anyone, signed everyone last minute. <laughs> United haven't signed anyone. So Manchester United, Arsenal haven't signed. Arsenal haven't signed. The signings United are attempting it. You know, so it's, you know... Interesting. Yeah, just, just throw it out there. Although they've got a little bit longer they've got until September, I guess. Yeah, the Argentine um, transfer window has closed, that's the other point, yeah. um, to make, or closed allegedly. It wouldn't, yeah, if, if River or Boca try to sign anyone in the next couple of days, they'll be allowed to register them. No. Anybody else would be... No. <laughs> well, Boca signed Santiago Simba last season after the transfer window. Ooh. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. That's very true, very true. So, I'm not saying this without evidence, but there you go. <laughs> Everything I say on Handapod yeah, has evidence. Cite your sources. It's my podcast, and I would never open it up to libel charges, <laughs> regardless of how few people in Africa actually listen. So, libel or slander? Slander, right? If we're speaking? Yeah. If any lawyers are listening, please get in touch and tell me what the correct legal term is. Um, <laughs> side, so, Estudiantes, as, as I say, going to struggle for goals without Zapata. Um, they've, bought, they've got Pato Rodriguez who has been by all accounts pretty bloody awful at Santos and that's the why Santos the, summer. the player of the yeah. summer Pato. and they've just signed Franco Jara from San Lorenzo oh, oh, that's oh champions he, he's, he's the man to replace Duan Zapata apparently so Franco Jara as some of you may remember from the end of last season is the man who scored a goal for San Lorenzo in their final match to make it 3-0 or 4-1 or something in like the 93rd minute and then put his finger to his lips to shush all the fans who've been booing him yes. the whole season. What a t- Clearly a really important goal um, for San Lorenzo. That was his first goal for the club and it was the last kick that he ever made for them. He so, scored on his debut, didn't he? Did, oh, sorry, you're right, when, his when, second. When the Strack set yeah, yeah, with that yeah. brilliant back heel. That was going to be the partnership of <laughs> the uh, entire exactly. now, right? Yeah. The most accidental assist in football history. Um so yeah, Frank O'Hara and Patricio Rodriguez are the two men who were charged with replacing Duván oh, Zapata, who's basically been a goal machine for Estudiantes. Mm-hmm. If Zapata had been playing for a, a club with a well, a better team, basically, he'd have been banging them in, I think. Um, and I think if he goes to QPR, at least he'll do well at Championship level. If he, Serie A or a top division, I'd be slightly less sure about him making the immediate move up. But if he does go to Queens Park Rangers. He's a really good player. He's a really good player. So I expect him to have a really good career. Napoli were the other team who were linked with him. Yeah. Um, Him alongside Higuain. Interesting. Quite a strike partnership. Um, But anyway, yeah, it's fair to say that Franco Hadra is not quite on the same level. Um, As Higuain? uh, As either of them, really. (laughs) Uh, As Higuain or or as Duván Zapata. Um, So there we go with that. Estudiantes are struggling. Anyone else? Who's been really bad? No, well, everyone's kind of, yeah, yeah. The first there's, two there's, weeks, there's people one, one side who've lost both of their matches so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember? Think about it. Uh-huh. Belgrano de Cordoba. Yeah, but they've um, been very unlucky. Robbed. Robbed, some people might say, of mm. the last game. Well, many people have said it. <laughs> I think everyone should say <laughs> The first match, they were shit, it must be said. Um, they lost 3 0 away to Lanús. Lanús were very, very, very good. Santiago Silva scored twice on his debut. Uh, Carlos left scored the uh, the third goal from a header um, from a corner. Um, only in only in Hannah, did you get this kind of 
<laughs> Witty banner. Absolutely. Um, so the first match, really, Belgrano were just played off the pitch. The second one, slightly different matter, but uh, Boca's first match of the season as well. And by far the most controversial game that's taken place so far in the season, I think it's fair to say. Um, so that I don't get accused of being anti Boca because I'm a River fan, I'm going to let you two take control of the uh, the debate around Boca's 2-1 away win over Belgrano. Well, I would say it's important to get a little bit, little bit of context, which is on the Saturday, um, the referee in question... Carlos the Saturday being Belgrano's first match uh, against Lanús. In which Maglio had nothing to do with. Sure. Um, Maglio, yeah, sure. refereeing in the second division, um, there was a poor penalty decision, and he gave offside from a throw-in. Oh really? So there were already a, little, a couple of question marks about this uh, this referee, and um, and then in this in the game, Boca's first of the season, as you said, two disallowed goals and an unawarded penalty in the space of about three minutes. Mm, yeah. um, all for Belgrano, which is and all with the score all, of one all, one. all going against exactly against Belgrano in, in Boca's favour. Uh, the first one probably was offside. The second one definitely isn't. No. I think it's a stonewall penalty um, that, was, that wasn't given. The guy, the guy who committed the handball well. after the match also admitted it should have been a penalty. Right. And then about what five minutes before half time, there was another. There was a trip inside the box. And the referee just said play on, and it was, I mean, no, it wasn't a particularly vicious or violent foul, but it was nowhere near the ball, it should have been a penalty. The, um, um, so this is, um, and then it became a massive storm, obviously, I mean, Belgrano were, were robbed, but this said, uh, Magnus had death threats since, um, and you know, it's, it's, it's taken on quite a dimension in terms of the, the debate around it, um, quite a few of the, the sports channels, some of the, a lot of the journalists um, in them were absolutely furious about the sense that Magnus mustn't be allowed to referee again this season I wasn't um, so much you know the real big mistake for me I mean you've got penalties and stuff they're always open to interpretation and I think the fact that he gave the Belgrano player was it oh, was it Carrera I think it was yeah, yeah. the guy who scored the goal yeah, 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 yeah he gave me a yellow card for, for diving which you know that just left him open to ridicule yeah, was definitely yeah exactly and I mean also the offside calls are his linesmen so, uh, yeah. so it's a and this is enough, system yeah. but it's something I've noticed in in Argentine football as well, like linesmen on like generally on the general, and that doesn't make any sense. Linesmen generally are very quick to lift the flags in. I saw it; it happened in uh, Racing last night as well. Mm. I think it was Vieto who was right on the last match, yeah, yeah. definitely yeah, yeah. like level. And yeah, but the flag went straight up; it wasn't offside, and because you know it didn't the goal, like it all kind of. And that was another thing with the first of these offside decisions that Joel says was just offside was that the guy who was just offside didn't actually wasn't the guy who headed the ball in, mm. so he didn't really play any further part. Oh, no. um, so again, you're you're opening up to yeah. to which interpretation of. The but ball. I think this is an Argentine thing. Like linesmen are very they're very kind of conservative with with their decisions. Mm. Like the defense. Yeah, that's it. San Lorenzo had, had Caldarucho's goal in the first match of the season. Um, wasn't flagged up, and he yeah. was. Offside, so well, he's got the pipe in his, he's got God in his side. Very true. What are you going to do? God in Tonelli, like, what a fucking team that is. Uh, one thing I would just like to big bocker up for, though, is that uh, in, in this match, in this match, their shirt numbers were going obviously from right to left with, with, with each uh, sort of sweep of the, um, the the lines on the pitch were 1, 4, 2, 6, 3, 8, 22, 11, 10, 7, 9. If number 22, Rubio Rodriguez, who is a number 5, if he'd been wearing number 5, they'd have been number 1 to 11. 
which I think is wonderful. There so, although I'm normally very anti Bokka, well done to Bokka for that. Or it's a little fight with Bokka. Uh, I think it's going to... It's Gaggle. It's because yeah. injured. So, in fact, Bokka might well end up having numbers 1 to 11 in the starting lineup this season, which is something to be admired, much as I say it through gritted teeth. Um, the other point to make in terms of goals by debutants was that Emmanuel Gigliotti was sent onto the pitch late on for Bokka during this match. The score was still one all. Inevitably, the winning goal was scored by the debutant, the centre-back, Daniel Diaz, um, heading in the winner. The last time that Bokka came from behind to win a league match with a late winner from a centre-back, as some of you may remember, was the first round of the Torneo Final 2013. So there is still hope for those of us who want to see Boca do bloody awfully. Um, <laughs> it could happen again. They could have their... Hey, what was that stat? Ever. The first time they came back from behind. The last time that they came from behind right. and won with a late goal from a centre-back. Guillermo with 3-2 with Guillermo scoring that yeah. ridiculous volley from a corner. That was a robbery as well. Um, and uh, that was that was three two against Quilmes on the first round of the Torneo Final. Um, so hopefully, this bodes as well for Boca's Torneo Inicial as it did for their Torneo Final when it last happened. Um, that's Boca Juniors dealt with. We've talked about Racing. We've talked about San Lorenzo. We should give a mention to Independiente uh, to complete the big five. <laughs> who I don't know why Dan's laughing. They started off their torneo, uh, well, not torneo, temporada, uh, 2013-14 season in the B. Um, they became the first ever Big Five side to lose their first match in the second division. Um, they lost 2-1 to Brown de Adrogué. Dan, I'm almost certain that you were paying attention, so let's, let's ask you, what did you make of the match? I didn't watch the match at all, but oh, okay. I had the result, and then I saw the brilliant video did you see that Fantasma de la Vida video? Mm-hmm. That came out. You didn't? No. I was great. Tell our listeners about it. Yeah, well, I think we must have talked about the Fantasma de la Vida, the B Ghost, last season, which was basically a Racing joke, kind of this guy in a. Let's not pretend Racing invented this joke. No, but Fantasma de la Vida, like, what I'm talking about is a Racing fan like, who's made this whole sure. kind of thing. Okay. They've taken it further, and I think they do it better than any other club. I certainly now it's, that. But now it's. Because I mean, they have all the moral, they have the moral authority to do this with, haven't they? Oh no, they haven't. Well, you know, that's. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But now it's El Fantasma de la Vida Metro. He passed, like, he passed the torch over to the new fan back. El Fantasma de la Vida. I really like the advert that involved the, the Metrobus poster. Yeah. That was fantastic. So um, no, they did. They did the next one after that one to uh, Brown Sugar. Like and the the Fantasman was doing all the Mick Jagger moves and to Brown Sugar. But it was at the end Brown Sugar free because they were married, of course. <laughs> Which means <laughs> these people are the benefits of our listeners. Marigold means like bitter or you know sour kind of that that kind of thing. Um, there is something. But it was there's quite an interesting story going on about how um, Sergio Aguero offered money. I don't know if you spoke about this in the last one. No, um, we didn't because it hadn't been. Uh, it hadn't come out. Yeah. Right. Well, Sergio Aguero apparently offered uh, money to stump up money for five like signings. Five players, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, prob- it probably would have been two, three million pounds, I guess, mm. roughly, that he was looking yeah. at paying. Um, there's a big problem because his dad was involved was in, with the opposition. To the in the last presidential election, that seems like a really unsavoury character. Well, it? They, I mean, it, well, this is partly it. I mean, you know, you kind of say, "Oh, Aguero offered money to Independiente." The offer was via his father, and his father didn't get in touch with the president because the opposition in the, right, in the elections. Sure. So, so I mean, this offer kind of was there, so but, but not really there. So it's been reported in the Argentine media as 
Aguero made the offer to Independiente and Independiente didn't get back to him. Right, yeah. But in fact... Well, in fact, Aguero's dad spoke to someone who's on good terms with at the club and, I mean, obviously it didn't make its way up the hierarchy to make to be a formal offer as such and so nothing came of it. But beyond that, um, is the problem that Independiente haven't really signed... Anyone. Quality. I mean, so they've, they've brought in quite a few players, but no one you kind of think. Facundo Parra. Facundo Parra. Once he gets going, I'll be Karanaki for the river. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he should be, yeah. Um, but, but beyond him, that, yeah. it's difficult to see. Sano, the Chacarita guy. Like. And I think we all said as well. It's Pisani who they've signed, who everyone's very yeah. excited about. Pisani. Yeah, Pisani. Yeah. We, we all said Pisani. when they went down, and then again during our midwinter episode, um, that Independiente were going to find it harder going in the B than, than River did. Yeah, it, it's going to be more competitive for them. They've not strengthened as much and they weren't as good when they went down as River. Especially since yeah. it seems being the sixth best team in the first division when they, when they actually got relegated. Yeah. Especially um, since it seems that they won't have away fans. That's no, a absolutely. massive psychological blow from Absolutely. Because we all saw, you know, River, uh, obviously, Independiente can't attract fans like River can. No. Neither can Racing, neither can San Lorenzo, we know this. But... River go and play in Jujuy, they go and play in Tucumán, they go and play in Corrientes, they're going to play in Misiones. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're the home, the home side. Yeah, and they're playing in the home side, yeah. yeah. They, mm. they fill the away side. But um, Independiente won't have this. Yeah. Talking of away fans. Only thing if there's no away fans. It's Talking of away fans, it's the next thing I want to get on to. But first of all, we're gonna, I, I'd just like to say huge congratulations to Brown Leal Drogate, because let's not forget, <laughs> as Santi and I mentioned in the, first, um, in the preview episode, even if Brandy Adroguet's first match of the, the B had been against some side you've never heard of, it would have still been the biggest match in their history because it's the first ever match they've played in the second division. They got promoted from uh, the B Metro uh, the previous season. So to beat Independiente 2-1 in the Libertadores de America... Yeah, we should put this in results still. No one, no one knows... The size of the two clubs yeah. are playing one another, if not the No other one other knows Brandy Adroguet. They don't exist in Argentina. They just know they don't exist. Like, who is Brandy Adrué? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> they're named after the same guy as Almirante Brown. That's that's the only thing that any of us could have told you almost about them. Yeah. Uh, Sky Brown, he was what, a, an independence hero, right? Guillermo Brown, yeah. He was, he was uh, William Brown. He was William he was an Irish, yes. uh, an Irishman, but he, he's the kind of guy who here... The same William. vein as Bernardo They say he's Irish-Argentine. Um, and he was one of the first uh, leaders of the, the Argentine Navy, I think it was, in, yes. the, in, in the early yeah. independence. Because it's another club called Guillermo Brand in Puerto Madryn. Exactly. Yeah, right? they, went down, they went down to Argentina, right? I think they did, yeah, but they yeah. played River. Yeah, yeah exactly. They were River's, possibly first, no, not River's first opponents, but they were the first match River had ever played in Patagonia competitively. Yeah. yeah. Um, Is there any, well, San Martín, surely, but there can't be that many teams who have, um, no, there can't be that many people who have as many teams named after them. Uh, no, probably not. Yeah, San Martín and, yeah. Across the whole of South America, possibly Bolivar, but yeah. in, in Argentina... Brown's, Brown's up there, he should, be, he should be proud of himself. Indeed. He's, He's left his mark. And now we're going to get on to the away fan issue, which, which Dan has <laughs> mentioned. Um, there were no away fans in the first two rounds of, of the Torneo Inicial, mm. or in the first round of the B, or indeed of any other division in Argentina, and there will be none in the second rounds of the B and the other divisions. There might be in the third round, possibly. In the third round, there will be non-members. Sorry, there will be non-members, because also in the first two rounds, there were not even any home fans who were not members of the clubs. Uh, so now, you know what Joel's um, uh, aff- affiliation is, because he mentioned already that he went to the River match uh, last night. 
Joel it's it. the first time I've been for ages because they had the Kankia River. Joel, they had, they had, you had to... I'm going to give you a guess-out clause, though, here, if you want to remain neutral. Um, you can explain why you're a member of a river very quickly. Who likes tennis courts? It's good tennis courts, just around the corner. I live four blocks from it. It's the cheapest, yeah. cheapest tennis courts around. Um, and also because we want to go to all the games. And it's, uh, yeah. it's River Play, it's the, it's the club that you, know, you need to know more about, most about doing our job. So, um, so yeah, no, no, I've been a member for, for quite a while now. As a River fan who lives walking distance from Bocker's ground, I can sympathise. And uh, for what it's worth for our listeners, I've always believed Joel uh, when, when he says he's not a River fan. I've never but this, this, this brings into question the whole what's being a supporter. Dan is clearly a, a Racing supporter because he hates Independiente. He laughs about Independiente. He's, you know, if, if Racing lose, it upsets him. It ruins his weekend. Same for you for, for River Plate. I don't have that affiliation with, with the club. So that's what being a supporter is. It's knowing the songs. It's, it's, mm. It ruins your, your weekend if they lose. It's, it's all kinds of things that I just don't have, I, you know. Well, your thing in, in England as well, I remember you telling me one time when I referred to Chelsea as you, and you stopped me and said... Don't, don't call them that when you're talking to don't, them. Don't say that, yeah. Well, I never um, have done since. Well, there's also that, but no, no, but it's, again, it's just the whole... thing is, I think in Argentina, fans are much more, um, have much more sort of authority to say us, because they are members, they do mm. vote, they have they an, active, the club. A, yeah, an active they the role in the club. Definitely. And this is the thing, it's like when you say you, it kind of, you're putting me side by side with Roman Abramovich, and, you know, I think that's a little bit harsh. Yeah. Do, you vote, do you vote in, in, in River presidential elections, John? I can vote in these coming... Do you allow your wife into, to bully you into voting for a certain candidate? Or no, I think, she, I think she's stopped, actually. I think she's not... Um, is it not... Anymore. Do you have to vote like, like you do in national No, no, no. Do they no, send you to prison? Not, no, and this is, this is kind of... This is what's really interesting, actually, about the, the, the club politics, is that there's always... The percentage of, of, of socios who vote yeah, is like, really low. Yeah. It's really low. And so the whole thing is... And this is why it's the whole that, campaign... In, in a way... ...against Passarella, for example... In a way, it's like the Barra Bramas has such a huge influence as well. Because the Barra Bramas they're only very small groups but yeah. they can have a big influence on presidential yeah, yeah. you say the bad um, get kind of 2,000 people together to vote and that could be enough to win it right? well River have like over 80,000 socios yeah. and last elections I think 15 or 16,000 so, people voted you get a this, this one they're expecting 2025 yeah, and that, that's Still, River. That's you know. That's exactly. You start looking down, let's say down the food chain in inverted commas at uh, the smaller clubs mm. and Lanús presidential elections and Newell's or whatever who and as we mentioned previously on How the Pot Newell's particularly have had enormous problems with the Barra Brow effectively running the club for over a decade and a half. This is how it happens. Um, But, uh, as this discussion began, we were talking about the lack of away fans, the lack of non-members at matches. Um, Tell us why this has happened. Dan, you were talking before I interrupted you and asked Joel to explain himself. Yeah, I can't remember. It's it's all to do with, um, more than anything, what happened in Boca pre-season. With uh, the shootout between the Barra. I'm Which sure. I don't think we mentioned last week, actually, so just fill us in. Did we not mention it at all? Um, I, don't, uh, I can't remember whether Santi and I did. So just remind Yeah, well, two, in case we did, remind us. Two people died because two kind of rival, fr- rival factions of the Barra got together and had a shootout before a friendly match against San Lorenzo. And yeah, that kind of provides all sorts of kind of knee jerk decisions about. What fans can enter and what whilst, fans can't. Whilst you were saying it, I remembered that we did mention it, and we mentioned it because of Rafael Di Sales' ridiculous, they're trying to make me look bad 
um, thingy afterwards where he said, you know, they said I was involved but I wasn't, and it's, yeah. it's just people trying to make me look like a bad man. And you think, yeah, nothing oh, to do with the fact there's like CCTV. This is, this is the first day I've ever had of that. I don't think it's him though. You don't reckon it's him? No. National magazine. He's shorter. He's, he's, he's not. No, the, 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 the guy. He's crouching down to get a better shot. Like. The guy that they're. <laughs> The guy that they're saying is, and, and the CCTV, CCTV footage yeah. looks quite a bit shorter than he is. No. I yeah. agree with that. I still found the quote comical, though. Oh, no, the quote's hilarious, yeah. Because whether or not he was there or not, this is a guy who's been to jail for... Blah, 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 he's yeah, he's, he's no Um This led, anyway, as we were saying, there were already going to be no away fans at any Argentine matches no. until further notice. It's still the case. It looked and like they were going to bring back away fans until that happened in Bologna. Yeah. And what this particularly led to was no, not even any home fans who are not members of the club. Because, of course, none of the Barons are members of the club um, that, that they're supposed fans of. I think a lot of them aren't, though. Like, you think? Yeah, because at least officially it looks like they're doing something if they take them off like, their membership role. They still get into the grounds and stuff, they're still there every time, but at least Boca say you can point to their membership record and say, oh, look. To say I was not a member, Mara Martin isn't a member, like... But they are, that's the do. thing. Even though they've got London, the vice they president... They are, and Calicius... The Seo isn't a member, I don't think. I'm sure the Seo isn't a member. That's right, you, no, but that's well, what... Because he went to jail, yeah. exactly. Mara Martin yeah. But Mara Martin definitely is. Because yeah. Calicius said... Even there's nothing. Yeah, yeah. Well, because no, Mara Martin... in jail? Well, he's not. He's, he's hasn't been, he hasn't been um, sentenced. But he's in jail. You're thinking Matt Sarah, he, He's detained. He's detained, yeah. No, Martin's kind of... Anyway, yeah. Angelisi said that, and, but this is what's so ridiculous yeah. about it. They said that isn't reason enough to throw them out of the club. That's, oh, that, that's, I mean, I'm not saying that this is a reasonable. If they stop singing, then that'll be fine for you. <laughs> mm. um, what this means is, of course, that the atmosphere in Argentine Stadio has been affected somewhat. Uh, it's not quite as bad as it was at Racing San Lorenzo, where there was nobody there at all. But for but quite a few smaller clubs, it is. Because exactly, I mean, and increasingly this this uh, yeah, idea of going, day, it's ridiculous. Yeah. like three hundred people in the stadium, yeah. and and this 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 new kind of slogan that's that's been toyed with for a while and it's really it's caught fire, particularly on Twitter in the last couple of weeks. Is football para pocos, because as we've mentioned many times before in on Hand of Pod, uh, the 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 government policy of of having all Argentine Primera matches and a lot of the second division ones since everything went down. Um, on free-to-air television of Football Para Todos, Football for All, has now changed into Football Para Pocos, Football for the Few, because only very few people can actually go to the stadium, unless you're River or Boca, and you've, or Newell's, I think, have got more members than seats in the stadium, in which case, fine, you can still sell out, effectively. I think, to blame that on the government and Football Para Todos... I'm not blaming yourself... It's still a bit oblique. I'm blaming it's on the after. I'm blaming on the after more than anything. Yeah. Um, no, but, but what I'm saying is that this is how people at least, are... At least the fans who can't go to the games are talking about it. That's one thing. Yeah, but this is... This is government all, pol- all their policies is, is all about inclusion, and this is exclusion. It's, yes. it's, it's, oh, a massive, massive. it's a massive problem Honestly. for the government whose, whose politics is all about as I said something yeah. quite different from uh, from what they're actually doing but, but it goes back I think we've mentioned it on the, on the pod before that you know the government brought an, an enormous problem with buying into football in the way they did in terms of the relationship mm. with AFA in terms yeah. of the Bada Badabas and now with all this situation it's, it, does, it just doesn't look good and there's no basically way there's no two ways yeah. about looking about it basically they had to know at the time they were buying a damaged good right right it's, it's a damaged it's a damaged product you know it's got all the problems with violence it's got this especially this season I don't think we've we've mentioned it but especially in the year that's just gone I think you can put a lot of the a lot of the fights a lot of the 
the conflicts and stuff that's happening in the Barra. It's also to do with the elections, right? Mm. you got to say, because we've mentioned it before on the pod, I'm sure, a lot of the yeah. Barras, they're kind of, their day job is um, working as, how would you translate puntero? Like campaigners or yeah. kind of organisers for political parties. Which is, which is part of the reason that there aren't any away fans at the stadium for the first two rounds of the matches, because, as we mentioned at the very start of the episode... There are, uh, there, um, what's the word? Primary elections tomorrow, Sunday, the, the day that this podcast will probably go online. Um, and I'll be surprised if it comes online. Yeah, I'd be, oh, I'd be okay. very impressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you said you're already going out and getting pissed. Like. You've, got, you've got a lot of your yeah. Freudian slips to edit out. Exactly. This is, this is very <laughs> clever from both of you, and I can do this as a challenge to instead of trying to make sure that it your does go on. confession that you're a Boca fan. Um, <laughs> We're going to have to pepper it until they can't edit them yeah. all out. <laughs> I'm glad we're not doing a video broadcast, Dan, because I'd have to edit out this. Um, uh, what was I saying? <laughs> the primaries. Yeah. Something about the primaries. Sorry, yeah, white fans. So, right. Um, the fact that there are primaries on Sunday, before these two rudely interrupted me, um, the fact that there are primaries on Sunday is, is the reason in many ways that, that away fans weren't being allowed in because basically nobody on, on any side wanted any trouble at the stadiums. Because if there was, then the opposing side would be able to say, no, they, this was these guys' fault. They, okay, obviously they say, it's the Afa's fault. But then they link it back to, yeah, but it's the Afa's fault because Christina said this, or it's the Afa's fault because the opposition leader said this and put some pressure in Cordoba province or wherever the fuck it happened. Especially since one of the main, well, you could say the main opposition to the government in this election is Sergio Massa, who's also... Massively, massively involved in many times. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's more fuel to the fire, right? His wife is uh, the sister yeah, of uh, the right midfielder Martin Galmarini. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. That explains why Galmarini's club captain. In some ways, I mean, he's also one of the best players. He's one of the best players, but <laughs> yeah, 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 controversy. Exactly. I didn't really, I, and I, I wondered when I saw that her, her, her surname was, yeah. was Gamarini. I thought, I wonder if she's. I bet, yeah, yeah. There's, I'm sure there's millions of Gamarinis, and uh, looks on her Twitter yeah. timeline, and there's loads of photos with, oh, with right. Gamarini. Yeah. Was this something you've discovered since taking up your job as a proper news journalist, John? It is. Yes. There you go. These are the benefits of having proper exactly. journalists yeah. on hand. And you looked into this just after she called. Uh, no, I'd looked into it before that. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. As soon as they were doing all the rounds as a couple, yeah, right. I thought, well, you know, find out who this woman is, what's, what's the deal, what's going on. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. Good. Um, as, we've, as we've proved many times before on Handapod, nothing is apolitical in, in Argentine football. Um, to, to recap very briefly what we've got so far in the Torneo Iniciales, San Lorenzo having won both matches, everybody else having not won both matches. Um, I think we need to mention Godoy Cruz very quickly. They are you also not played yet. You also have played, not played yet. You, because due to the fact they were involved in the latter stage of the Copa Libertadores, which, well, played which like was played more. after the Confederations Cup, but the fact they might have played the final as well, right. in which case they'd have only finished like a week and a half before they the season started. No, but they could have done. They didn't. <laughs> so, did they, they, Argentina could have played the World Cup final a couple of years. <laughs> no, sure. <laughs> The I point has been a millionaire by the time I'm 26. I'm not. But, but the point the point was that even even uh, Newell sorry got it got it postponed prior to the event because right. even having only played the semis, they still didn't have anything like the same pre-season that everybody else had. And obviously they've still lost the players, manager. They've lost the best striker. Well. Yeah. With the, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, players, players do need a rest. 
Um, and so Newell's are playing their first match Trezeguet against Connell Richel. Trezeguet will have to end up playing for six Trezeguet months. certainly. Indeed. Certainly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not having yeah. anything against Trezeguet. Hainsey, Hainsey, Rodriguez, Urruti, Vichaldo, lots of the others. They, they've kept the core. Um, and they've got a new manager. It's, I mean, I'm not saying that the fact they've got everybody else has got a new... Well, not everybody else, but a lot of other clubs have got new managers as well. That's not a reason. But Newell's, you know, asked, asked for this postponement and the AFA gave it to them. Um, so Newell's play their first round match on Tuesday against Boca Juniors uh, at home in Rosario. And the second round match, I think, is a week on... It might be a week on Tuesday or it might be a week on Wednesday against Team Nacia La Plata. Um, so Newell's are going to play first round on Tuesday, third round at the weekend, and then I think it's Wednesday they play Team Nacia away in the second round. So and after that, it'll be all fine and right. we won't be confused anymore. It's totally fine. Um, we know that's not true, but yeah. it sounds, we know, yeah, not yeah, it sounds well, good. Well, totally, exactly. I mean, by then, some other match will have been postponed or called off or whatever. Basically, we've got at the moment San Lorenzo being impressive. Um, everyone else, uh, more or less. But I'd like to talk about Godoy Cruz just for a second because Godoy Cruz won the first game. <laughs> Godoy Cruz so far. Oh, sorry, you're laughing at a television advert, which I wasn't paying any attention to. Um, Godoy Cruz so far have been really, really good in the first match. We're going to mention the first. I'm going to mention yes. something particular about the first match: the goalkeeper in the opposing team um, in a second. Oh, yes. And not not awful, but lost the second. And both of them have been really big relegation clashes for Godoy Cruz. Because the first against Argentinos. Yeah, precisely. The first was against Argentinos, who Godoy were three or four points ahead of, I think, going into the season right. in the three-season-long relegation table that we have in Argentina. They won three-one. Argentinos were just never even in with a shout of it. Um, they scored very early on through a deflected free kick from Jorge Corbello. It is Jorge, isn't it? I think it's so. not Juan or something. I can see it. It sounds right. right. Uh, sounds yes, good, it is Jorge. Good. Yeah, it, it it could have been, the Corbellos could have called him Jorge if they didn't. Yeah. Um, and then Mauro Obolo became one of the uh, five men, as I mentioned earlier, to score twice uh, on the first weekend. Um, Great work by Castellón. Fantastic. He's, he's he was, a really yeah. like, he's excellent second yeah, yeah. striker, really busy, down both wings. They look good. They were also uh, within... Oh, sorry, no, they, they weren't quite as good as Boca. They were within two shirt numbers of, of getting a 1-2-11 <laughs> um, uh, shirt numbering for the first match. Uh, Argentinos um, only scored once through Rodrigo Gomez from a penalty. Um, but more importantly, they, they had uh, Pablo Migliori in goal. If you're a San Lorenzo fan, particularly, or if you're just a very attentive listener, you might already realise why I'm mentioning this. Pablo Migliore was the San Lorenzo goalkeeper who was arrested, put in jail for 41 days um, for basically aiding and abetting the uh, runaway of, of a man who's suspected of murder, who's now in fact in jail, yeah. um, awaiting trial for the murder. Um, and there's not really any doubt at all that he did it. He's just... It's no, no, no. Well, well, he, the was, he, he was on the stand. run, but, but the point here is that he's a Boca Barra Brava. Yes, sorry, of course, you're yeah. right. He's a Boca Barra Brava who, who, was, uh, who murdered the, the neighbour of another Boca Barra Brava. Apparently it was a fight over a dog. Over the fact that the dog right. hissed on the front wall of this guy's house. Um, we're talking, even by Argentine football standards, ridiculous degrees of just complete banality and stupidity escalating phenomenally in all of this Migliore as a result of all of this stuff was transferred as you might remember to Dinamo Zagreb 
um, where in his debut he saved two penalties in the penalty shootout at the end of the Croatian Super Cup final to win the trophy for Dinamo, became an instant cult hero, played three more matches, and then said, I'm missing Argentina too much. Um, there was a lot of, of talk about, oh, should you go back, should you not go back? He, he was given an interview with uh, Teise Sports, the, the country's national uh, kind of cable uh, sports channel, in which he said, my dad told me to stay. Some context here is that his, his dad is, is uh, terminally ill in hospital. Um, but he said, my dad told me to stay, to not come back, but my head has always been in Argentina. I've never really settled in Croatia. Um, and by I mean, after three, week, the three weeks he was there. Yeah, he didn't Absolutely. really give much of a go, did he? No, totally. But by all accounts, he, he'd been absent from training something like five times already. Right. Um, and so Dinamo were just as happy to tear up his contract as he was by the end of it. And he said... I know the consequences that might await me if I come back to Argentina. One of the things that I pointed out at the time is Croatia doesn't have an extradition treaty with Argentina. So when he moved to Croatia, apparently the first thing he said when he got off the plane was, I'm never going back to Argentina. <laughs> um, I've been told this by a Croatian journalist who, who was um, on, on Twitter. Um, and yeah, and, and he's, he's returned in spite of the fact that he knows exactly what might happen to him. And he's played the first match for Argentina, so it's absolutely shocking. But his second match, he was rather better. They won 2 0 against Colón. Um, he should have been sent off, though. Should he, Joel? Definitely. Tell us about it. Well, if Jonathan Fabro got sent off, then. Oh, you're right, sorry. Fabro Miguel should have been yeah, sent yeah, off. Yeah. As well. And uh, conceded a penalty. Mm. But, you know. Indeed. Indeed. By the way, I mean, I know it's, it's kind of just, it's just something I realised seeing the post-match interview. I just think it's a bit rude that Ricardo Caruso Lombardi is coaching at the Diego Maradona Stadium. Yeah, it's so I mean, they're just, just they, I mean, they're just two Why ends, is this rude, Joel? Two ends of the, tell, tell of, of, the, the of, of the spectrum, you know, and it's, it's just, an insult. it's just, it's not an insult, you know, he's, Caruso Lombardi's a good coach. He's the Diego Maradona Stadium, he's for effective. those who have not been paying any attention to the last two minutes even, is Argentinos home stadium and yeah. Ricardo Caruso Lombardi is the Argentinos manager as he has been several times before whilst uh, it's been called the Diego yeah, good stat from our data football Argentina people data uh, foot on that's, that's them please um, 8 out of 12 I think of um, Argentinos goals since L- Ricardo Caruso Lombardi returned have been from set pieces yeah. So I thought you, know, you were going to say it's been from assists within their own half or something no <laughs> no, 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 no it's, it's a tangible one um, and it's um and this is the thing, he's, he's organised, you know, he, he's, he plays the game, Ricardo Caruso Lombardi, but he's a larger-than-life character, um, he doesn't play good football, and... Uh, but if we have to judge the two as coaches, who do you put ahead? Who would you rather have leading your team? Whoever Can you imagine Caruso Lombardi at a World Cup? Caruso Lombardi <laughs> or Maradona? Wow, that's quite a question. Caruso Lombardi. Yeah? Every time. I don't know, Maradona's... Caruso Lombardi's a football manager, at least. I'm not even going to worry about the, the libel uh, accusations with that one. Maradona just isn't. Um, in terms of the relegation table, because that's the one thing we can talk about with any kind of seriousness after two matches of the, the season. Because of, nah, of course, two matches. No, but what I mean is mentioning who's top of the Inicial and everybody's places there doesn't really mean anything after two games. 
the Promedios at least, we're two-thirds of the way through it and a little bit already. Um, Olimpo currently bottom, that doesn't mean very much, they've only got one point from, from two matches. Uh, but Argentinos and Gordo Cruz are the other sides in the relegation zone. Um, there's a one-point gap between them, having started off with Argentinos three points ahead, Godoy and out one point ahead. Um, and then there's a six-point jump to All Boys, Rafaela have 97, uh, sorry, Godoy Cruz have got 90, All Boys 96, Rafaela 97, Tigre 98. So those are the sides already that were expected to yeah. be involved in the relegation battle, aside from, of course, um, the, the two newly promoted sides, Gimnasia having won um, a match uh, yeah. relatively close to the top, and Central as well, having won one of their two matches. I want to think really quickly, because I don't think we mentioned it yet, about the new All Boys era after the Alex Ferguson... Please do, yeah. Um, no, I haven't seen anything. The Ferguson of Floresta, uh, Jose <laughs> Romero, has, has left All Boys. He'd been in charge for six years. Um, which is an age in Argentine football, and also in I some ways as well. Well, for any football now, like well, yeah, you're right. Actually, by English football, it's, it's a good standard as well. And and in, and in some ways, it, it should be mentioned um, that he he also stands up to the comparison because he is in many ways the most successful manager in all boys history. He's kept yeah. them in the Primera for three straight, three, well, he took three or four straight seasons. He took right, two. To promote, like, kids they got promoted, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, 2009, they went up to the National as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, although I, we've, we've mocked him in the past for being called the Ferguson of Florester, it's perhaps I've, slightly unfair mocked, like, mocking. I, I certainly I don't, don't. I didn't mock anyone. Uh, but there we go. We're, we're not mockers on Handapod normally, as, as you know if you're a regular listener. Um, but yeah, Falcioni has started off with his side perhaps not playing the most attractive football. I don't think anyone was <laughs> expecting that. Sure. <laughs> um, tell us about them, Dan, since you're the one who brought him up. No, I was liking you. I haven't seen a, I haven't seen a minute of them playing. You haven't seen a minute? Oh, well, you're even worse than me in that case. Oh, they right. actually were by far the better team against Atletico Rafaela in the opening weekend. Um, Diego Vera for Rafaela scored a fantastic equaliser with about two minutes to go. Uh, volley from the edge of the box, which uh, Nicolas Cambiasso couldn't quite hold. Cambiasso, bizarrely, all boys have conceded twice in these opening two matches, and Cambiasso has got a hand to both of them. The the Vera equaliser was one where he just couldn't push it wide enough at the post ah, and it crept in. The one against the Studiantes, as I've already mentioned, was one that he really should have held it's and destroyed his body. Dreadful. And it's bizarre because in previous episodes, we've mentioned many times, he's one of the better goalkeepers in the Premier. No, definitely. Um, well, he's very prone to these kind of mistakes, though. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. He's, kind of, uh, he's the kind of keeper who like, puts his life on the line, he'll throw himself at everything. You've not been brave enough to but, say this when he's playing well, Joel. I mean, why are you only saying this? No, I'd say there are five, six, maybe seven examples of, of bloopers. That he mm-hmm. has in, in his uh, on his curriculum. On his so he could have a DVD but, yeah. box set on the way. Definitely, definitely. He is a good keeper, but he as he prone to these mistakes. What would be really funny would be an Esteban Cambiasso presented uh, box set of, of goalkeeping howlers with his brother featured prominently. <laughs> One day, we can only dream. We can. Well, I'm sure Cambiasso needs to work now. Yeah. When, when he retires, so maybe that's you know, TV, DVD presenter. Well, either that or his brother just gives him a load of money. Uh, we should mention it in, in case you're wondering, just to confirm that yes, he is Esteban Cambiasso's brother, who yeah. I suspect is not going to need to work after he retires. Yeah. Um, the, two, the two were in Real Madrid's youth team together. Were they? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, they both no, I didn't know Nicolas had gone to. Both of them were brought from Argentina to Madrid. Oh, well. Esteban went on to. To do more. That's a little bit like the well, Kaká's <laughs> brother was at Milan, wasn't he? I don't know if he yeah. was taken to yeah. Madrid as well. I don't think so, but it's one of those kind of 
I guess because because they took Estevan when he was they, they signed Estevan didn't they yeah. um, when he was what sixteen or something yeah so yeah. I, I guess Nicolas it's one of those, well, the family basically saying look you either take the two of them or yeah. you know having one of them yeah, yeah. Fun, almost it? happened with the Funes Mori twins yeah indeed and we should mention we must mention since they get so many mentions on Hannibal they one of them at least has finally left. Well, we they all signed a three-year deal. We thought it was number well, five. Yeah. Five. Five. Yeah. He's signing next. He's not signed it yet. He's signing on Monday or Tuesday. But wow. five-year deal with Benfica, Rogelio oh, no. slash Gabriel before Joe. Slash Dude, it's on the official River Plate website. It's Gabriel. Yes, and he says it's Gabriel. And but he, he's but after he first Gabriel, said, and on his shirt it says Gabriel. So but Gabriel. A, but after he first said Gabriel, his the back of his shirt still said Ah Funes Mori. After he'd apparently already spoken with the club kit man, so the kit man had ignored him, and for that well, reason, he probably, did the, he probably got, got the numbers wrong because the other, yeah. the, the other ones, Ramiro is is an R exactly. Uh, I say, I think this is one of the, the striker, that, like, basically the striker of the two Funes Moris, the the crap one who Santiago maintains once he leaves River is going to become a great goal scorer. Now we're going to find mm. out because he signed a five year contract with Benfica, or rather he's going to on Monday or Tuesday, in return for. Um, the I think it's one hundred percent of the economic fifty percent only. I've heard fifty, heard sixty. Okay, in in return for some of the rights to uh, Rodrigo Mora, who, as we mentioned earlier in passing, has signed for River uh, for another year. Three year um, deal. Three year deal with yeah, River. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's very good for River. Like it is. Yeah, it is because obviously Benfica hold on to, to a chunk of the of the transfer rights. If, but if Mora does as well as he did in his first six months with River, what they could get for Mora is going to be worth more than they would have got for Funes Mori. Yeah, the guys um, at um, Politica en, en River, which is a really good blog in Spanish, said that the total value of the deal is about sort of four point five million euros. Right. Yeah. That's what it's, it's valued at. But yeah, it's, it's not bad to be honest. So basically, if, if you're a Portuguese league fan. Actually, I don't entirely disagree with Santi. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he turns... As I've said before, if once he leaves River, and he himself has said it as well in an interview, the first interview he gave out... Yeah, what's he going to say? Ah, oh, no, I'm going to be shit and whatever. No, but he's admitted... He's, he Basically, he admitted that he didn't do very well at River, but that he feels like the... the as we, they say in Spanish, the kind of cambio de aire, the change of air, the change of atmosphere... Uh, could help him out that there's not going to be as much pressure on him playing even though Benfica are a huge club in Portugal there won't be as much pressure on him playing for a huge club in a foreign country as there would be a river I'd entirely agree with that I think if he'd, if he'd signed for Madrid or Barcelona there wouldn't have been as much pressure on him as playing for one of the two biggest clubs in his home country knowing what's on his shoulders the whole time we've talked about this before with players going to River or Boca and just not doing it because they're so worried inside their own heads about it as much as anything else and in a way this ties back into all boys that we were talking about they've made a lot of signings from Boca with Falcioli going there Colasso um, Colasso is a great sign it's a good sign it's fantastic it's I'm not, I'm not denying fun. this for a second um, and, and uh, Ezequiel Ezequiel because he spells it with an X not a Z Benavides um, and there are one or two others as well who they've signed from Boca um, did Elvita go to Mexico in the end? Elvita did go to Mexico yeah, he went back to Atlante I th- uh, Atlante? Back. No, not back, but he did go to Atlante. Sorry, yeah, you're right, Atlantic. he played for... Oh, I hope he yeah. takes some I hope he takes, uh, mosquito repellent. Yeah. Dreadful mosquitoes there. There's a lot of they train mosquitoes. right next to... They, they, they had crocodiles in the training pitch at Atlante. What? Yeah, yeah, really. The Quite mosquitoes have got a training pitch. This is terrifying. Yeah. And they play against crocodiles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to know about it. Sounds Yeah, I went and did a story with them when, when they played the ball, in the, like, the, the Club World Championship. Santiago Solari was there, and we went and trained... 
filmed the training session right at dusk. Never Where been, is that? Never been is in the south. It's in Cancun. Ah, Cancun. Wow. Yeah. I've been to Cancun. Never been bitten as much. Dreadful. Well, I think I bit him that much when I went to Cancun. You didn't go to Atlantis training ground. Then, I did didn't you? go to Atlantis training. Ground. I've, this not, is I've not been to Cancun. But I did see some mosquitoes which were like that. Like. Yeah. Did, you made... did you see the crocodiles as well? No. no. I saw a couple of mosquitoes which were like carrying knives and carrying. <laughs> you need to go to Mexico in winter, guys. I went in February to Acapulco and there was not a single mosquito, but it was still warm enough to go to the beach. It was that's the Pacific, warm. right? That's holding you. Yeah, true. It's, it's the opposite coast, which is the Caribbean. Um, it's not Mexico. Having gone off on, on a little bit of a tangent from Ashley's Time Football, I'm now going to. the best thing we do. Like. I'm going to play some music, some, some incidental music, uh, which uh, is the term that Joel learned the last time he was on Handapod. Last but one time, possibly. Um, yeah, I'm still, uh, I'm still not convinced by it. We're going to recharge our glasses and then we're going to come back and answer some listeners' questions because we have had a few. Questions. We've had a fair few questions from Luis Bessone about um, a slightly unfortunate Twitter comment that I made um, last week during a Barcelona friendly when I during the Barcelona Santos match, in fact, the Juan Gampa trophy game, in which I didn't realise that the numbers have been designed by a graphic designer with Down syndrome. Oh, I mentioned nice. that they look fucking uh, well, awful, uh, what in my do? opinion. And then as soon as I did mention this and people started pointing it out to me I felt like a complete piece of shit so thank you again rightly so but you know the, I saw quite a few people made similar comments Ev, Ev Malian was also asked one um, but anyway we're going to try and just stick to the football only ones here <laughs> because that makes me embarrassed otherwise. don't censor like, I'm not censoring I'm you, you are worse than Cla- you are worse than Clarine mate. I've mentioned you look like a dick like. <laughs> I've mentioned that this happened I've mentioned I feel awful and I've said that it's, there's no point in repeating oh, no, no, no. question about it um, Luis Bessone was also decent enough to ask a couple of proper questions uh, which do not impugn my humanity um, and asks first of all have several hip hopsters as he refers to hopsters being handle podsters um, decided to distance themselves oh no that is the funny one actually cut that uh, Luis no, B- <laughs> no you got that far let's hear it no uh, Actually, those are the only questions he's asked. So, cool. yeah. Um, no, nah, come on, finish your question. You're he's asked that. two questions about, about this. He says, first of all, have, have, you, have you or anybody else on Handapod decided to distance yourselves from Sam Kelly um, due to my insensitive comments? Yes, I'm not going to speak to Sam again. There you go. That's the podcast. Well, I, was, I wasn't aware of this hideous no. discrimination. No, you As a result, I will not be making any more appearances on no. Handapod. I think we're both going yeah, to start, start a new, it's going to be kind of like a, a new Handapod list, free from discrimination, free from this kind of horrible anti-disabled sentiment. Right. Unfortunately, as I've said many times before, Handapod is a dictatorship, not a democracy, so it's going to continue, even if it's just me talking to myself in a darkened room. I've got no doubt. Um, Luis also asks, when Sam isn't discussing Down's children's artistic displays... <laughs> Does he prefer seal clubbing in Aleutian Islands or drowning puppies? Um, the answer to that, the answer to that is seal clubbing every time because at least the scenery there is is nicer. Uh, I've been to Alaska once and I'd love to go back. So there's the answer. Did you club any seals? I didn't, unfortunately, <laughs> but I would have loved to. 
loved it. I would have loved it in the words of Kevin Keegan. Um, <laughs> on the slightly more football what, does, what does he smoke, that man? I have no idea. I don't He's want to. Fan, I don't want to know what he makes his child smoke either. I'm sure it's the same. <laughs> if you're listening, Luis, we love you. How <laughs> are you going to bring in child abuse, Sam? I'm not. I'm not bringing in child abuse. I'm just suggesting that he makes his child share his hallucinogenic drugs. Um, John Chenery. I hope I've got the stress on your surname right there. Asks, will Manuel Sarate be able to fill the hole that Facundo Ferreira has left at Vélez? Because if not, they're looking incredibly short in attack. Um, mm. I would no, say, got I'd say more of that. I'd give anything that's an improvement. They're bringing Sarate back. Sarate's still at, what, 26, 27? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a brilliant sign. Yeah, um, yeah cool. Any, Str- any, any further thoughts, guys? No, strange career, I think. Very. Very Largely due to his agent giving idiotic advice about going to Al Sadd. Well, exactly. I mean, a European side, you might have signed him. But this is the thing, I guess that deal meant that he didn't have to wait till he was in his sort of mid, early, mid 30s to, yeah. to basically no, be completely sort of, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, yeah, most of our English listeners, of course, will already be familiar with, with Sarate's name. I would think he, he played for Birmingham City for six months and was the best player in the team. And didn't, he, didn't he keep them up or something? He kept them up and then they apparently wanted to sign him for the following year and couldn't meet uh, the. the Fee that they bid right. uh, the most they could possibly pay was like a million pounds short of what Al-Sad wanted for him, oh. and so he ended up going to Lazio. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, but his contract still belongs to Al-Sad, or what's the situation there? I think he's been loaned to, but I think he's been loaned to, but I'm not 100 percent sure. But I think he's on loan at Al- from Al-Sad. Yeah. Still at Al-Sad. I might be even after that time. He was at Inter, right? Or my complete. Yeah, he moved there exactly. But this is still a loan from surely the not. Away. Sh- surely not. No, right? Very, I think he must have moved yeah. permanently to Lazio, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. No, you're right. It appears to be a permanent transfer to Belis, in fact. Really? Wow. Two Belis. There's no mention here about a loan in the, the search and stuff. Um, but no, fantastic player. Certainly over the course of this season, once he's fit to play, um, which he's not at the moment, I think it'll be superb um, for them. You might be right. Without a doubt. Uh, Jose Miguel Polanco this is a, a man with a Hispanic name we've, we've got non-anglophones we've got Luis Pisoni whatever's happened um, it's a fairly non-anglo man oh, that's true yeah but he appears to be American at least from the interactions that we've had with him. Uh, Jose Miguel Polanco asks if Bordiso ends up being sold to Russia who is in your opinion the best player to replace him Chiqui Perez or Caruso this is obviously <laughs> Guillermo Bordiso, who plays for, for Boca at the moment and who is in talks with various Russian clubs. So we've got either the, um, the fatty or the penalty machine. It's a great choice. One of the two, isn't it? Yeah. Um, either one of them would be fantastic players to replace him, <coughs> in my opinion, as a Boca hater. Joel, what do you think? I think they're both... When they're on their day, they're both good, good defenders. But um, Caruso has conceded an awful lot of penalties. On their day? Yeah. When is Caruso's day exactly? The 29th well, they, they, of February? Caruso, no, Caruso has played well in the past. He has I've played, and they signed him for a reason. He was excellent. Yeah. At, at that one time. He was excellent. Either way, the better replacement is Cata Diaz. So, yeah. mute point. Yes. Who scored the winner, of course, the other night? Did. Sorry, I don't know why I paused so long before. I did, I did know why, because I was listening, but I was also typing. Um... So, yes, that, that, that's, that's your answer. 
Kaka Diaz alongside who? Alongside who, though? Assuming Bobby were going to play a back four. Who did he play? I don't know who he played against alongside. Uh, and Diaz. I think it was I'll just double check that very quickly. It's a fair point. If Borisso then goes, then one of the two, at least out of Caruso and Junior is going to have to step up. I'll go Paris, to be honest, of the two. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know quite what's happened to him. Since. The sense about Boca's defence against Belgrano was yeah. uh, right back Leandro Marine, number two. Awful, awful, awful player. Really? Well, he's yeah. only young. Still, he's he could terrible. Number two, which in Argentina is the def- uh, the, the, the right centre back, was Daniel Diaz. Number six, which is the left centre back, was Guillermo Bordiso. And number three, the left back was Emmanuel Insua, who I think we can all say is a decent player. Yeah. Um, yeah, was, not an awful lot more but not certainly nothing less um, and yeah the, Claudio Perez was on the bench so you'd have to assume that if Bordiso does go it's going to be Diaz and Perez and apart from that oh that's all the questions we've got I thought we had far more than that so many of you have written in slandering me for being uh, <laughs> a downs player um, um, Ooh, tell us how Mystic Sam's getting on Mystic Sam is exactly 50-50 so far because mm. after the first round uh, there were, of course we've only had nine matches in each round so far because as we've mentioned before already mm. Newell's two matches have both been uh, postponed and so there were nine matches in the first round nine matches in the second in the first round Mystic Sam got seven out of nine very good very good man. I was only denied eight out of nine by the fact that uh, by Rafaela's last minute equaliser against All Boys because I predicted All mm. Boys winning that although having said that one of the other goals also meant that I was right and that came in the last minute as well so either way 7 out of 9 um, in the second round Mystic Sam did slightly not quite as well um, we'll just brush over that no in the second round I got two correct uh, scores which were the River Plate win against Rosario Central which came relatively late on as well and I can't remember which the other one was it might have been the Olimpo Tigre match which finished nil-nil and was the most boring match of the year so far potentially mm. Um, or something like it. So yeah, Mystic Sam so far is exactly fifty-fifty. Which we is need still to leave Mystic Sam. You're gonna only gonna record I'm, before next weekend. No, but I'm, I'm, uh, no, we're not gonna record before next weekend. Oh. I'm gonna first of all predict the Newell's Bocker match, which is being played on Tuesday. I think that. About the Sudamericana, you can have a tilt on that. No, Mystic no. Sam only does domestic matches. Oh, right. um, but they are domestic matches, sort of. No, they're continental they matches, even though they're all Argentine. Um, I once. It means that I don't have to do them, so shut up. There are Sudamericana matches next week. Oh, the other thing we have to mention is the Copa Argentina. The first quarterfinal was played on Wednesday in between two of the Primera matches. It was the only quarterfinal which features two lower division sides. It was second division, um, Tacheres de Córdoba, Javier Pastore's first club, against Estudiantes de Caseros or Estudiantes de Buenos Aires, whichever you prefer. Caseros is in... Greater Buenos Aires. Actually, is it Capital? No. No, it's not. Good. It's in Greater Buenos Aires. Um, Estudiantes won 1-0 with a goal from Alejandro Delorte, who is a former gimnasia in Quilmes and various other Primera. He's got plenty of Primera experience. Uh, about three minutes into the second half or something, I think, if I'm remembering right. Um, which means that there is a lower division side, a third division side in the Copa Argentina semi-finals. They're going to play the winners of San Lorenzo versus... Gimnasia de Entre Rios. Entre Rios, Gimnasia de del Concepcion del Uruguay. So there's just a possibility that we could have two... Um, that we could definitely have a third tier 
um, side in the final. If Ignacio beats San Lorenzo, then we'll have uh, two third-tier teams. I think Ignacio third-tier as well, playing in the in, in one of the semi-finals. Um, the other two semis are both all Primera. Godoy Cruz against somebody, and yeah, we've all forgotten, and I'm not looking it up now. But that's the Copa Argentina, don't we? Um, and the Sudamericana starts next week with River against San Lorenzo. Belgrano Lanús, is it? No, Lanús against Racing. Thank you. And Belgrano against the other team who are left over. Venice? And, yeah, Belgrano Venice. Yeah, you're quite right. Venice. 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 We should trust us. I should trust you more, Dan. Yes. We should trust ourselves. As for Mystic Sam, here we go. Mystic Sam is going for, first of all, Newell's to beat Boca in the round one match on Tuesday. And then next weekend, these may differ from my Hong Kong Jockey Club predictions, because I've not written those yet, and I've not had a proper chance as a result to look into the matches. But here we go. Arsenal versus Olimpo. I'm going for a draw. Uh, Colón versus Quilmes. I'll go for... Oh, bloody hell. I'll go for a draw in that one as well. Gimnasia versus Central. Gimnasia win. Uh, San Lorenzo against Argentinos. San Lorenzo win by at least a couple of goals, I think. Uh, Newell's versus Belgrano, which will be the first match Newell's have played when they should play it for the season. Um, Newell's to win that. Racing to beat Tigre away. Sorry, Dan. Boca to draw with Atletico Rafaela in La Bombonera. Um, Godoy Cruz and River, I'll go for a draw. All Boys and Vélez. All boys win. And Lanus to be Estudiantes. That's a lot. Thank you very much for listening to the uh, 113th episode of Hand of Pod. Thank you very much to both of these fine gentlemen for being with me while well, recording. Pleasure as always. Which could be the last recording in, in the Cabochito Palace. Yeah, we didn't mention it, did we? Uh, this, where we're currently recording is Dan's flat, and it was the first place that we recorded. It was the only place that we recorded the very first episode mm-hmm. of Hand of Pod. And this could very well be the final recording here. It could be. We don't know, you know, we could have a couple of surprises before the month's up, but it could well be the last one in this historic site, this historic place for, for the podcast. Is the missus at all likely to let us record at your place when you move in? Yeah, of course. Flat yeah, no worries. Excellent. Yeah. Glad to hear it. For now, anyway, uh, this, actually, as well, it was it was Zombie's last appearance to be on Hand the Pod. Yeah, it's not, he it's not been it. No, what a show. We, We've left the door open for him and everything. Yeah, I think he's um, upstairs, to be honest. It's deeply disappointing. Uh, so, unfortunately, under pod listeners, you won't be hearing from Zombie again. Unless we can get him in now. Zombie! Zombie! Uh, Here's Zombie. Hey. Zombie! Zombie! That was Zombie. Anyway, I just stuck the microphone in his face. He didn't want to hear about it. No um, comment. No comment. And that's the last you'll be hearing of, of Hand of Pod's only all-boys fan to date. So there you go. For now, it's goodbye from Joel. Goodbye. Goodbye from English, Dan. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>